0: Welcome back to Timeless Truths, our journey through John's first letter. We are in for a special treat tonight. Our speaker, Dale Kennedy, has traveled all over the world and served in the Air Force during the Vietnam era. Has lived in Turkey for a while where I understood he experienced some shrapnel at one point. That may explain some things, brother. He has three awesome sons, beautiful wife and probably the best mother-in-law in the world. One of his claims to fame around here is he is the late Colonel Durning's son-in-law. Dale, we're honored to have you and honored that you would come and speak to us tonight. So
1: we turn it to you at this time.
0: That's your water, Dale.
1: Okay. Well, it's been a quick trip from Dallas-Fort Worth Airport.
0: Now Tell us where you work and what time you got up.
1: Yeah, my office is uh, just south of the airport, off of 360 at Trinity. And uh, so I get up about... Four four fifteen in the morning and get dressed and head that way. And uh, so I took off uh, a little early so I could get here on time. And of course we caught the crescent train on the way down. Um, yeah, which is always a joy and it just tests your Christianity, you know. And uh, but uh, it's it's good to be here, be with you all and be with Alan, my old old friend Jerry. Uh, but uh, let's uh, let's get into it. My Rather than tell you what I think about 1 John chapter 3, I'm the type of guy that would rather, let's see what the Word says about the Word. Uh, that way you can't blame it on me if you don't like it. <laughs> Amen? Amen? I have to tell you there are several passages in the Bible that I don't like. And if we're honest, we're probably all that way. Now, I I obey them. I mean, I'm not stupid, you know. I'm smart enough to do what I think God's trying to tell me to do. But I can't find anywhere in the Bible where it says, uh, like what God's doing to you. It says, you know, obey, endure, you know, go forward. He told Abraham, he said, um, here's what we're going to do. If you'll walk uprightly before me, I'll bless your socks off." That's the Texas translation, right? But and and so that's that's in essence that's what John is saying here in the third chapter of John. He's he what he's really doing is he's ministering deliverance to these people. Jack Hayford, a great pastor out in Southern California, said that deliverance was not rolling around on the floor and doing weird stuff. Deliverance is education. It's understanding who we are in Christ. Amen. And when we can figure that out, then we can read 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, and get it. So that's what I want to do tonight, is just take a little bit of time and read through it. And like I said, it's not a lot of personal opinion. It's mostly Scripture, because I don't know if you know it or not, but God is much wiser than I am. Amen? Mm -hmm. We are told by scholars that this book was written about 68 A.D., uh, and as we all know, John was probably the youngest of all the apostles, and he was the one that lived the longest. And he lived a long, long life. Uh, so it's, we start out in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. I think it's interesting. He says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us if you look up this word in the original language it has to do with favor with having the favor of god you know i was telling somebody the other day at at the office i'm a blessed guy i'm not a rich man you know uh, it's okay to be blessed and rich i wouldn't mind being both but god gave me blessed and so i'll you know i'll, I'll receive what i can get but uh, um um we have the opportunity here, John says, to live in the favor of God. And what that means is that if we live in the favor of God, then everything we do, everything we touch, the Word says, can be blessed. And that that I think part of living in the favor of God is understanding who we are, that we are the children of God. We're not God. We don't get to... Uh, decide how the game is played, but we, we get to be a part of, you know, what's going on. And so he says here that that how, how great is the love of God that he has bestowed favor on us. Uh, notice that he doesn't say how great is our works that we can be favored by God. Now, Works won't get you where you want to go. Amen? Amen? But if you're going that direction, works will be something that you do. Um, uh, somebody said to me one day, they said, Well, if you know, if I'm good and do good things and, and, and give to charities and, and you know, help out homeless people and stuff like that, they said, Won't that get me to heaven? I said, No, that'll just you'll still go to hell. Well, I know people who say they're Christians and you know, they don't do stuff like I do, but it's not about what we do, is it? It's about who we are. Amen. See, it's about who we are. Now, it, my children, my son Dave, who, who I just left with his wife a minute ago, we, we carpool to work every day. Um, when my kids were teenagers, the first thing they'd do when they came into the house, before they come in and say hello to their mother, you know, is they stop by the freezer to get something to eat because teenage boys are hungry teenage boys are hungry when they're asleep. you know what I'm saying <laughs> and so we I guess we were all that way but but they would come into the house, and not once in all the years that they lived in the house did any of them ever come to me and say, "Oh father, I beseech you, father of my life." Dad of my life, would it be okay with you? Could I go out to the freezer and get a corn dog? <laughs> they never once ever asked me for a corn dog or uh you know a cardboard pizza or whatever it was they could find to eat out there. They just knew they were in their father's house, and so they went and received the blessing in their father's house. They never worried about was there going to be something there. There was always something there, and yet we do that with God. you know we'll say, God, if you would i sure I sure would like to be healed. Well, he did his part at the cross at the cross, He gave us everything we need to be healed at the- because at the cross he gave us himself, he gave us everything he had that's why the Bible says that we were healed by his stripes amen, amen. so So John's talking about here how God lavishes us with favor. So a a couple of words that I picked up on here was one is, is, uh, run over to chapter 4. I'm going to steal somebody else's stuff next week. Chapter 4, verse 9 says this, having to do with that. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. He gave all he had. You know, I don't know about you guys, and and I know some of you, and some of you have sons. And I have prayed to God and said, you know what, God, I'm not willing to give my son. I don't want my son to die. I realize He sent His son to die for me, but can I just be honest? If I can't be honest with God, who can I be honest with? I don't want to give one of my sons in in. You know, Christian service, so they can die. But that's what God did with His Son, and His Son was a whole, acted a whole lot better than my sons do and yours did. Amen. So let's look at this. Um, at the, the examples of his love. In Jeremiah 31, chapter 3, Jeremiah says, The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. I have a good friend of mine that has a difficult time with eternal security, with the the, the doctrine of eternal security. He just can't get it in his mind that he he can receive that truth. And so I led him to the next verse we're going to talk about which is John 3:16. John 3:16. Amen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. How long is everlasting? It lasts forever, right? So, if if that's an issue with you tonight, you can just get delivered right now. That it's it's everlasting life. How long is forever? It's forever. You know, well, how long is that? It's forever. Well, I don't understand that. Well, I don't either. Amen. Welcome. Uh, Paul, uh, uh, Romans chapter five. <coughs> the apostle said to the Romans, "But God demonstrates His own love for us in this." What? While we were yet sinners, He died for us. He died for us. So we get back to that thing about works. Is is while we were yet sinners, before we did any good works, He went to the cross and died for us. He knew we would be scoundrels. He knew we'd be liars and cheaters and, you know, philanderers and all kinds of stuff. And even knowing all that, because the Bible says he knows the end from the beginning, he decided to get on that cross and die for us. Amen? Um, Paul said to the Ephesians in Ephesians two four, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, so what made us dead? Our works. our transgress— All transgressions are is uh, bad works. Amen? So it made us alive in Christ while we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. I don't know about you, but uh, those are shouting words. It's by grace we're saved. Man, I'm going to tell you what. If it was by intellect, Or if it was by how much good versus how much bad you did, I'd be in trouble. But it's by grace that we have eternal life. That word grace is an interesting word too. So we see this thing of, of God's love, and it says that we should be called what? Children of God. I was telling your pastor uh, I think I texted him last night, and then he texted me back and woke me up. But that's another deal.
0: <laughs>
1: but my wife goes, "Who is that texting you so late?" I said, "Oh, it's Pastor. It's okay." But but we were talking about this word that's that's translated children here is has to do with when you take somebody else's children and you bring them into your house and raise them. You know how in um, um, the first Psalm it says that the righteous man will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and will bear fruit in its season. That word there, planted, is a Hebrew word that literally, watch this, literally means transplanted. See, we're not planted. That's That's what John's saying here. We're not planted in the kingdom of God we are transplanted into the kingdom of God from the kingdom of man from the kingdom of evil into the kingdom of perfection it's transplanting not planting amen so we are these these this this spiritual adoption thing and and it's the, the I have a good friend I went to high school with that that was adopted and it used to bother him and one of our friends said to him one day yeah, but, you know, they chose you. They chose you. That's what adoption is, is when you choose somebody. You know, we can get all mired up in in in, in uh, election and all that sort of stuff, but the bottom line is this. The Bible says that God chose us. Now, how he did it is difficult to explain, and I don't think I'm that bright. But God chose us to be adopted into his family. He chose us. Uh, It's a two-way street. In in, in John chapter 1, the Gospel of John, he says, Yet to all who received him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become what? Children of God. Here's something that somebody said to me one time, and it took ten years for it to get down into my soul. And he said to me, he said, God loves you as much as he loved his own son, Jesus. And man that blew me away. I just I mean I when when it finally hit me, I just began to weep. And thought it's so incredible that the God who made this universe and, and I don't know about you, but I I come home about the same time every evening, just about sundown. So I I get to see these incredible Uh, brush strokes in the sky of whatever angel it is God picked out to draw these pictures, these beautiful sunsets we've been having, especially the last month or so, man, they've been red and orange and just incredible, incredible things. And the one who made that said to us, come let me be your daddy. Come let me be your daddy. That's pretty cool. Amen? So so we are his adopted family. But but the thing about being adopted by God is that he looks at us just as he looks at his son, the firstborn. I'm not much of one I don't get a lot of visions that sort of stuff, you know, but every now and then God had just dropped something in my spirit. And and I don't even know where I was, but uh I was going into church and and uh, the Lord just dropped this vision in my spirit, and it was was the what I saw was the the it looked like the throne room of God, and God said to Jesus God the Father said to Jesus, How's old Dale Kennedy doing and he reached in his pocket and pulled out a picture of himself and said, Here he is." See, that's the adoption. We we become like Christ. Now, we don't become Christ. I mean, we don't want to get weird, you know. But we become like Christ. And God literally loves us as much as he loves his own son. If that don't light you, fire your woods with. Uh Paul said to the Galatians that he did this to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons. The full rights of sons. What's the first thing you give to your son?
0: Birthright.
1: Birthright. You get he gets a name. He gets I have a new grandson. His name is Zachary and he's um let's see, four he's about two and a half months old. And he's just we're just loving having him around, you know. But I look at him and, and I think how blessed he is that he has Christian parents that he has that his grandparents are still here that his great grandmother is still alive everybody and so he will grow up in this atmosphere surrounded by by three and four generations of people who love God so we give him our name and someday When it's time for him to make that choice, God will give him his name. He'll give him his name. Um, Paul went on to say, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. Uh, Pastor mentioned that I spent some time in the Middle East long long ago and that's true i barely remember it's been so long ago but uh, one of the things that that where where i was they um uh, they call little boys uh abi abi like boy they call little girls abla and the father is called abba so you got abba abla and abi I don't know what they call mama. I forgot. But, so, we become these, we we become, spiritually, we become adopted. And because we're adopted, that makes us sons of God. You are the son of the one that painted those brush strokes in the sky for that sunset that you saw yesterday. That's our daddy. I mean, it, it just... If you can just grasp that, you can get through anything. We we've been through a lot of stuff in our in our life. My wife and I have been uh, a couple of weeks ago was our 29th wedding anniversary. So we've been together for a while, and we've been through a lot of stuff. But we found that if we will just stay with God, it will all be all It right. Doesn't mean we don't have tragedy because we do. Doesn't mean people don't die that we love because they do. But what it means is because of who our Father is, we can be assured that everything is going to work out all right. And, you know, when you're going through tragedy, it's hard to grasp hold of that and it's hard to hang on to. Uh, Your pastor mentioned my father-in-law, who some of you knew. uh, uh, Ed Durning passed away a couple years ago. Great old character. I mean, if if you ever met Ed, you probably wouldn't ever forget him. And it would, and when he, when he went to his reward, I don't think I shed, a, a, I didn't shed any tears for him, because I knew that he went to sleep in Granbury and he woke up in glory. Amen. There was no doubt about it. That was one old jarhead that was going to heaven. <laughs> so. But So I knew that he had been adopted by God. I remember when it happened that he had been adopted by God. And because God was his father, then we didn't have to worry about it. Amen? Um, um, In Galatians it says, Galatians chapter 4 verse 7, So you are no longer a slave but a son, and since you are a son, God has made you also an heir and air. I have this gorgeous gold watch that I bought back when I was wealthy before I had teenagers, you know. <laughs> and uh, i had actually, it was a gorgeous watch. It, it's a gold watch and, and I don't wear it very much. And uh, But it's a, the designer is a Texas designer and he only makes watches with Texas designs on them. And it, it's a gold watch and it has a, uh, in the crystal, you know, it, it has a, a Texas Longhorn embossed into the crystal and then you flip the watch over and it's very heavy and you flip it over and it's got a Longhorn on the back of it and then it's got the Lone Star of Texas down both sides and it's just, oh, it's it's gorgeous. But my youngest son decided he wants that watch. So he said to me, Dad, I'm one of your sons and when you die, I want that watch. Well, he was the first one to say anything about it, so I said, okay, I'll put it in my will. When I die, you can have that watch. Well, he won't get that watch because he deserved it. He won't even get that watch because he went and spent all that money on it. He will get that watch because of who his father is. He will get that watch because he's an heir of of, of his father. And that's what we are with God. You know, sometimes we we get so busy with our business and our work and our jobs and crazy stuff going on all around us that it's very easy to get sidetracked about who we are. And we forget. It happens to me all the time, you know. I I, uh, told my wife one time I was upset and wasn't, you know, we weren't being treated very nice and, and uh, uh, oh God, this is years and years and years ago, fifteen, twenty years ago maybe. And I told her, I said, you know what? I just, I'm going to quit. I just, I'm going to stop teaching. I'm going to stop preaching. I'm going to stop ministering. I'm just going to go be a successful businessman. And I just, I am tired of the abuse. I'm just not going to do it anymore. And she said, okay. You call your pastor and tell him you quit. Well, I didn't make the phone call, so we're still here. Amen? But if you can figure out that you are the child of God, you can get through anything. My uh, uh, my son Noah is married to a great gal. Her name's Courtney. Uh, uh, both our daughter-in-laws are named Courtney, so it gets a little weird around Christmas time. But... Uh, uh, He's uh, Noah's married to Courtney and when they first got married you know how young couples all have one problem right after the other one you know and so um, that she would just lament oh, I don't know what we're going to do I don't know how, how we're going to make it we're just we're going to crash we're going to burn this thing's just not going to work nothing works yada 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 and she she Doubted that because I'm sure that's what she probably heard most of her life. And she said, I don't know what we're going to do. And I said, hey, great. I got great news. I know exactly what to do to solve your problem. And she said, what? I said, trust God. Yeah, but what do I do to solve? No, no. Trust God. Yeah, but I got. No, no, no. Trust God. Now, that's been for. Four and a half years ago, I guess they've been married four and a half years. Now, if somebody says, oh, I don't know what to do. My life's falling apart. You know what she says? Trust God. Trust God. And she will tell people, that's the only advice my father-in-law has ever given me. And it's the only advice I've ever needed. (laughs) But if you learn who you are, then you can trust God. Uh, It's like when, when, uh, uh, when I was. Very small, I I, I sort of have this memory of my father standing in a pool at a hotel we were staying at and saying to me, jump, I'll catch you. And I just, I'm not sure about this, you know. And, And he said, come on, son, trust Daddy. Jump, I'll catch you. And finally, I jumped, and Daddy reached out and caught me. And we need to understand that's who God is to us. That's who God is. God, if we are willing to step out, if we're willing to jump off, if you will, into the deep end, God doesn't have any choice. Because the Word says He will. See, God set up rules not just for us, but God has rules for God. Before the foundation of the earth, he set the rules up. He said, okay, this is what I'm going to be. This is how I'm going to be. This is how I'm going to be known by my people. And and all." And he set it all up. And so he can't, it's, it's like, the, uh, I, I preached a sermon one time when I was a young smart aleck preacher before I got to be an old smart aleck preacher. <laughs> I preached a sermon called Seven Things God Can't Do. Yeah, You know, I don't know who I stole it from, but it was great stuff. <laughs> but... One of those things is that God cannot lie. God cannot hate. God has to love me because he said he would. <coughs> he cannot lie because he said he would not lie. And so he doesn't have, one of the things God can't do is he doesn't have the ability to lie. Amen? Okay, Let's, that's long enough in verse 1, I think, don't you? And, that, and it says, the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Didn't know who? Didn't know Jesus. (coughs) Didn't know who he was. Didn't believe him. Thought he was a lunatic, you know. Uh, So if, if the world didn't accept Jesus, why do we expect them to accept us? That's not even rational. He was perfect. He was perfect. So he goes on in verse 2 and says, Dear friends, now we are children of God. And remember that children has to do with raising another person's child. We are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. I think that's pretty exciting. What we will be has not yet been made known. No. So, what we are is not all we're going to be. See, if what we are is all we become, we've wasted a lot of time. We've wasted a lot of time. I've wasted a lot of God's time, and I've had to repent for it. Um, But, Uh, so, if we know that, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. We shall be like him. Uh, look at uh, Philippians chapter 13 right quick. I'm going to look at verse 20. Philippians chapter, let's see. Yeah, where am I going here? Philippians 3, I don't even know if I've got 3, 20 and 21. Yeah, Philippians chapter 3. I gave it nine extra chapters. Okay. <laughs> verse 20. Uh well let's go to let's start with verse nineteen and he's talking basically about about uh pressing on to a higher goal and about how our our we're supposed to be different than the world is. Verse seventeen he says, Join with others in following my example. That's a pretty bold statement. That is, in my opinion, probably one of the most bold statements in the entire scriptures. Paul said in another place Follow me as I follow Christ. That's that's pretty bold. Follow me. Look at Paul said, look at me and do what I do. So he goes on. He says, for as I have often told you before, they must not be very bright because he keeps having to tell them. And now say again, even with tears, may live as enemies. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. How many of you know there are a lot of folks that are enemies of the cross of Christ right now?
0: Amen.
1: They go from the from the top of the pecking order all the way down. And we need to get some folks who love Jesus. Amen? Amen. Their destiny is destruc- destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. Now here comes verse 20. Yeah. But... Our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. I know a little bit about heaven. I don't know everything there is No, but I, I even wrote a book about heaven. But but I can tell you that heaven is an incredible place. Heaven is an incredible place. If you're a Star Trek fan, heaven is outside the space time continuum. So and we get the, when we go to heaven, we get this thing called a glorified body. And having a glorified body is better than being Superman. Because literally, you can just appear somewhere. I mean, Jesus did it after, you know, after he had ascended into heaven. Comes back, what happens? They're in a room. They got the doors, the windows locked. I mean, these are powerful men of God who are just crying like a bunch of little babies. Because they forgot who they are. And then Jesus just appears. And they recognized him. But he was in his glorified body. And when you have this glorified body, you can go anywhere and do anything and do it right now. You know, I have a favorite fishing hole in Northern California where my dad and I used to steelhead fish. Man, just think, Pastor, if I could say, you know what, Pastor, hold my hand, we're going fishing. Boom, we're there. 1,500 miles in, you know, no time at all. But, But that's what... That's what we have to look forward to. We have more to look forward to than what we can stuff in our in our mouths. Amen. Amen. Somebody asked me the other day uh, at at the office. They said, "You and your wife have been married twenty nine years." I said, "Yeah, twenty nine years." And they said, "That's a long time." I said, "I have never found anybody I wanted to trade her for." <laughs> you know, and and so we, when we understand that our life is not about our stomach. Our life is not about fulfilling our desire to have stuff that our life is supposed to be about the kingdom of God. That we live, we we live here in Texas in the United States in North America on the planet Earth. But but we are simply passing through. To the time when it comes our time to become, to go to that place where we are already a citizen. To go to that place called glory, that place called heaven. And that's who we are. And then he goes on to say, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control. How much?
0: It is everything.
1: Yeah, everything except marriage problems. Oh, that's not what it says, is it? Everything except a problem when you can't find a job. Everything except the problems when your kids get on drugs. That's not what it says, is it? It says everything. And when it's everything, then you can use that two-word wisdom. Trust God. Well, you're sick, you might die. So what? Paul said to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Go ahead. <laughs> you're not doing, you know, you're doing me a favor. So he he says that that who by the power enabled him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Be like his glorious body. I don't know about you, but... I'm ready for that. I had to go to the men's store the other day and uh, buy some new slacks. And I told my wife, I said, you go up and look at the dresses, I'm going to pick out some slacks. Now, I didn't do that because I didn't want her opinion about my slacks. I didn't, I had her go up there so that she didn't see what size slacks I was buying. (laughs) Uh-huh. Because if she saw that I bought the next size up from what I was used to buying, she'd give me a hard time about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. A fellow said, have you ever had a weight problem? I said, no, I could always afford new clothes. <laughs> 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 but but uh-huh. we, someday we won't have to worry about, <laughs> about <laughs> that.
0: You could get the <laughs> opposite. Oh, I was some weight. Hey, yeah I'm, I'm yeah the
1: same we've been there you years. go yeah it's time to put the weight on enjoy yourself man.
0: yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah
1: probably so probably so yeah we um, um <laughs> okay, well, that's enough of that. Let's move on to verse three <laughs> the the part of the reason that the world doesn't Understand us is because it's they don't know who we are. They don't understand us because they don't know who we are. Um, let me read you this a couple of verses. That God, in the wisdom of God, He's withheld who we are for the most part to the world. Uh, from the very beginning, Genesis 2, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He told them straight up, do not eat from that tree. So what did they do? They <laughs> ate from that tree. Hello! <laughs> you know, you got this, This they lived in an incredible place. It was literally heaven on earth. They've only got one rule. <laughs> One rule, I mean, they had to have been teenagers. Uh, you know nobody else could be that stupid. <laughs> One rule: don't eat of that tree. so what do they do? They eat of that tree. Well, God had no choice; They sinned, they did what He told them not to do, so he had to deal with them, and the first thing he had to do was get them out of the garden. And the reason he had to get them out of the garden was there was a tree in the center of the garden called the tree of life. Yep. And had they eaten from the tree of life, they'd still be alive today. Really but instead, they messed up. They messed up. You know, the the worst thing is, we do the same thing. <laughs> My wife, can I just share this? I'm a tell on my wife and don't tell her I told now I want you
0: raise your hand
1: No, so she won't hear the recording <laughs> she said to me one time our children were like four five six years old they were just really kind of becoming aware of the world and that sort of thing and how many of you know when you're young you do a lot of stupid stuff you do things that as an adult you go yeah maybe I shouldn't do that <laughs> so she said to me somehow we got on the we got to talking about um uh, uh smoking pot (laughs) I don't know how we got on it but we just you know we're talking about it and she says I don't know what to do she said what do I do when our children get old enough to ask the question have I ever smoked pot I said well you do like every other parent in the United States you look at them square in the eyeball and say absolutely not I never touched it (laughs) you lie to them (laughs) but that was that was what happened here. Is they they just, they became disobedient. And um, Jesus said to the disciples in John chapter thirteen verse seven, He said, "You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Later you will understand. Anybody's father ever tell him that?" I mean, my father used to look at me and go, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, he thought I was mentally deficient or something. And I was just a kid. <laughs> you know, I, was just, I was just a teenager. You know, I, I just wasn't real bright. I mean, you're, you know, the doctors tell us that, that the human brain just sort of, part of it stops functioning about the time you get to be a teenager. So literally, they're brain-dead people. And and so that was how I was. And he would look at me and go, what, what is wrong with you? You know? How many of us, our parents, ever said, don't stick your finger in that light socket? So what do we do?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Stick our finger in the light socket. Hello? gee, yeah, I got, you know, I got shocked. I'm hurt, Mommy. Don't you want to comfort me? No. No. And then you know what she'd say? Next time, you'll know better. Next time, you'll know better. So... There's this this inability for them to understand the truth. They cannot understand the truth about us because it's not in them to understand. See, we can talk about the truth. I can read the scripture to you, and you'll say, that's true. But somebody who's lost, somebody who doesn't have the capability to understand, what's the Bible say? Who can come to God except the Spirit draws them? Why? Because when the Spirit draws us, when we take that first step, then we can begin to understand. We understand that first step, that there's something we need that we don't have. Something we need that we don't. We might not even know what it is. When I was 13 years old, I was at church camp. And I went to church camp, I want to tell you, because I was just, I really loved God. And uh, God was my whole life. And, no, I'm lying to you. The, I went to church camp because there was I heard there was a little girl named Laura Lee that was going to be there. And by golly, she was just it as far as I was concerned. And one night as we sat around the campfire, they had a big fire pit. And they had logs in there. And it was just, I mean, it must have been on the front row. It felt like it was about 150 degrees. I I was sitting there listening to the evangelist and just sweating. Well, guess what he preached about that night? The fires of hell. And I sat there and it came to my mind, you are smarter than this. And I, I... made the decision right then that I wanted Jesus to save me. Now, it wasn't a, a, a terribly, you know, theological thing. I just knew that there was a chance I could burn in hell. And I did not, that was an experience I didn't want to have. Because it was hot just getting close to the fire. I didn't want to be in the fire. Amen. And so so when when I got that tiny bit of revelation I don't want this it's like the Holy Spirit just said okay come on come on and began a lifelong journey to figure out not what I want but what God wants for me and I don't like that much can I tell you see I want what I want because I'm a human being but when I sit down and think about it, or when my wife counsels me, and I hate that, don't we all, that uh, what we need to do is quit saying, God, give me this, give me that, give me this, give me that, and start saying, God, I want whatever you have for me. Now, the problem with that is some things God has for us are terrible things. Terrible things. Uh, It might be... uh, you know, you, you, I prayed one time and said, God, I want to do what you want me to do, and the next day I lost my job. Well, I said, God, no, no, you misunderstand. I want to do what you want me to do, but I don't want to lose my job to get there. <laughs> but I had to lose my job in order to get me to where I needed to be. Um, so when we understand when that that. The world doesn't understand us because they can't understand us. Um, Paul said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 13, what? Now we see but a poor reflection is in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. A lot of people say Well, when I get to heaven, I'm just going to go around and ask 10,000 questions, and I'm going to, you know, get the answers to all my questions. I don't believe a bit of that. Mm -hmm. I believe when we get to heaven, it won't matter to us anymore. All that will matter to us is where is Jesus? Where's my good friend, uh, Johnny Cook, who you you met him, and he, he preached in Granbury a couple times, and he he passed away here about a year and a half ago and went to be with the Lord and he had a song I was listening to it yesterday on my on my iPhone and he said it says uh, don't look for me here don't look me for me by the pearly gates don't look for me by the tree of life look for me I just want to see Jesus I just want to be with Jesus and I think that's where we'll all be is with Jesus I, I mean that that will be the desire of our heart to be with Jesus um, the uh, but the Bible teaches us that revela- that this revelation is it's a word I'm looking for um, it's a gradual revelation, in other words, hopefully in Christ we know more today than we knew five years ago. Or 10 years ago. Uh, I am convinced that the big problem in the American church is that, now you have to listen careful to get this because I don't want to offend anybody, but uh, sometimes the gospel is offensive. I believe the problem with the American church is that uh, churches are filled with people who are going to heaven. People who are genuinely saved and are going to heaven. But there are not many Christians in today's church. Now what I mean by that is this. What is a Christian according to the word? A follower of Christ. You're right, to be Christ-like, to to, to put on, Paul said, to put on Christ. And so our goal is to be like Him. Um, all the men in my family, on the Kennedy side of the family, all the men walked the same way. And and so, uh, one day my wife said to me, she said, "You walk just like your father." And I said, "Well, I, I guess I do." And and sometimes I'll look in the mirror and I'll see my father. You ever do that? You know, just glance in the mirror, and I'll say to my wife, "I just saw Dad." You know, she's like, "Well, he's been dead 15 years, that's pretty exciting." <laughs> but what I what I meant was that 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 many things about me are so like him that sometimes I see him. And I think we need to challenge people in the church to be that way. Yeah. To be so like Jesus. That that's all they see is Jesus. They don't see the other stuff. They just see Jesus. So if I could encourage you this week to do anything, the thing I would encourage you to do is, once you've discovered who you are, then be who you're supposed to be. See, that's the challenge, is to be who we're supposed to be. Because often, being who we are supposed to be is very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. It can be... uh, a life-altering experience. It can be a tragic experience. Uh, The truth of the matter is that good things, that bad things happen to good people, you know. And so uh, our our goal should be not to invite people to church, but our goal should be to be so like Christ that people just, they want to go do what we go do. My little granddaughter is four years old, and she loves her pops. I mean, I'm just, I'm it for her. She she will just, I have her so spoiled, so loved.
0: <laughs>
1: we don't spoil our grandchildren. We love them intensely. <laughs> and I give them whatever they want, in cash or whatever else it is. But she told her father the other day, so about a month ago, she said to my son Noah, she said, uh, They were at Walmart and she said, Daddy, I want you to buy this for me. I want this, whatever it was. I don't know if it's a doll or some some something a baby doll of some kind. And he said, Well, we can't afford that this payday, sweetheart. You just you're gonna have to wait. And she looked at him, he said and she said, No, you get pops on the phone for me, he'll buy this for me.
0: Oh, boy. <laughs> you have trained her well. <laughs> yeah,
1: but, but see, if if you make the correlation there between the grandfather and the grandchild and between you and your father, God, God always gives us exactly what we need. Now, we don't always like that, amen? Mm-hmm. We don't always like that, but... But God is our Father, and not only does he give us what we need, but the Bible says he will give us the desires of our heart. The desires of our heart. We're going through a time now in our life where there's there is there's great joy and there's some real serious life stuff going on. And it all goes on at the same time. Uh, my friend Rick Warren said one time that he used to think that uh, that, that life was like a train and you'd go for a while and it'd be good and then the train would back up and it'd be bad and then you go for a while and it'll be good and then it'll back up and you'll have some bad times. He said, but if that's not the way life is. He said, life is a railroad track and there's good on this side and there's bad on this side and we go down the track and we live with the good and with the bad all at the same time. And so if there's good and there's bad, The good is easy enough to handle. The bad is the difficult part. Because what the enemy wants us to do is, and bad stuff happens to everybody, but what the enemy wants to do is the enemy wants to distract us from who we are. See, if he can get me to quit, then whose life is it that won't be touched because I got frustrated and quit when things didn't go my way? I I don't want to answer that question. I don't want to. Answer, that's why I don't quit. That's why I don't quit. Is I don't want to have to stand before God and do that. I don't have to stand before God. I don't want to have to stand before God and say, God, I gave up on you. Just when that young person was about to come to you. Just when you were about to perform that healing miracle in that person's life, I gave up on you and I quit. I I don't want to do that. My uh, we are blessed with three sons. The reason we have three sons is we did not want four sons. <laughs>
0: oh.
1: So um uh, I I you'll get it in a minute. <laughs> yeah. So uh, where was I going? Does anybody know? First
0: three. I
1: did through I that one. <laughs> yeah. So I was I actually had a point there but you know, my oh, my old <laughs> timers <Alzheimer's laughs> disease kicked in. But um no, I'll pick it up later. I've, I've completely forgotten what I was going to say. Um, but when my—I know what it was now. When when one of my sons calls me on the phone and says, "Daddy," I know there's trouble. They don't call me on the phone and say, "Daddy." They they call me Dad they'll call me you know something else but, but they don't the only time my sons ever call me daddy is when something's wrong and that's the way it is with God when we cry out to him Abba Abba that's the Middle Eastern term for daddy not for father but for daddy and a daddy's, a daddy's different than a father Uh, The function is is different. So if one of my sons calls me and says, Daddy, I know, oh, boy, something's something's wrong, you know. Uh, But why do they do that? Because they know that they have a daddy. They know that they have a father who loves them. Listen, you're not out there alone. You may be the only guy on your crew that's a Christian. You may be the only guy in your motorcycle club that's a Christian. You may be the only guy in your apartment complex that's a Christian. But that does not mean that you're alone. God has so many things watching over us. Watching over us. And the 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 literally... The Bible says God sends angels as watch care over us. My wife one time was in downtown Dallas going through the uh going through the canyon. You know, there were all the freeways meet up together mm-hmm. and and she was going through the canyon and this she she had our three boys with her, they were like, you know, five, six, eight years old. And she's headed west and going through the canyon and this eighteen wheeler pulls right over in to her and she said, she said, oh Jesus, and all of a sudden that truck moved right back over and she saw an angel with his hand on that truck. Now guys, I've been preaching 40 years. I've never seen an angel. But she did. And that angel protected her and protected my babies, my children. Why? Because God has a plan. God has a plan. And God has a plan for you. God has a plan for every one of his sons. Verse 3 says, Everyone who has this hope, what hope? (laughs) The hope that we are his sons, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he, just as Jesus is pure.
0: I'm done. That's awesome. Good. Good. Anybody have anything to add or questions or input? Just like I said, I really enjoyed it. Thank him for uh, speaking the good word. I really enjoyed that. Tonight. Thank you. Thank you, JP. Yeah, Yeah. me, me as well. Um, Dell. thank you very much. It's going to be one of those things that I have to sit and gnaw on for a couple of days. Yeah, that's good. Well, bless you, brothers. Talk to you later.